Dapper Dividends is recorded in front of a live studio audience. I mean, what's the deal with this Dapper Dividends? Is it Dapper? Is he wearing a little top hat, tails, and a monocle? Walking around shouting in the neighborhood, I'm variable! I'm variable! Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the show, to the podcast. Here, I'm your host with the most that since at least April 20th, 1978 has been called Russ or Russell, if you want to be all formal about it with those little top hat tails and a monocle, Mr. Monocle. And do you know what? I just did a video today where it's kind of fun. Check the link in the description below on YouTube. If you want to see what I do, you want to see me in action at work on the job, you can click that video. I shared my favorite Warren Buffett quote, the one that changed my life, which is why it's my favorite. Check that out. It's really short. I think you'll like it. And what else? Thank you for coming back and letting me crawl up into your ear holes there and hang out in your brain for a little bit. Hopefully I'll leave some sticky residue when I leave. And yeah, so this is going to be a fun one. You know, with the market looking like at my tank again, I, I wanted to do another kind of in line with the last podcast where this one's going to be five really awesome reasons why, too, um, just why I love dividend growth investing. And, you know, it all starts back with yesterday I listened to the whole Jerome Powell, the whole Jay Powell speech, his, uh, or not speech, it's his the presser he gave afterward. And here, if I were to sum up what he said is that in a nutshell, that inflation is sticking. It's obviously not transitory. Y'all done saved up too much money and you're spending too much. Prices are still too high. The labor market is still too hot and tight. Ooh, that sounds nice, but not in this case. And we're just not breaking the economy fast enough. And that terminal rate of 5%, eh, maybe we have to go a little higher. So get ready for some pain. That's my whole 30-minute summarization summation for you of old Jay Powell. And dude, he talked about his powerful tools and what they might use. So also, there's a Yahoo News article uh, that has a really cool interactive chart you can check out. Link below in the description that shows the Fed funds target rate. And it goes back to 1970. And it was 8.1% in 1970. Check it out. In 1976, or in January, on 1177, it was 4.61%, which was pretty low, where it had, you know, coming out of the mid-70s recession. Holy cow, dude. They went, so check this out, from January of 77, it was at just over 4%. In April of 1980, so that's a little over three years, it was at 17.61%. Why? Because Paul Volcker was trying to break the economy, destroy the economy to get inflation out of control because it was out of control. And it basically, so basically, man, hey, basically, it went up to almost 20% inflation. I see 19.1% in June of 1981. So look at that from January 1st, 77 went from just over 4% to 19% in June of 81. 
Those are the tools that they have. And then it's basically been coming down ever since then. And when did it get back to that 4%? So what, 19, we'll call it 19% in January of 81. It got back to 4% in what, the 90s? In, let's see, so much, pretty much December of 91. (laughs) So that's how crazy high and long up it was. That's some good English for you, huh? And then, of course, we had the 2000 to 2015. It was a quarter percent, nothing. And, you know, COVID, it was a quarter percent. And we've basically gone up from zero. What they just did is unprecedented. 475 basis point, four, you know, hikes that much. It's it's crazy. So I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to break the economy. And he said so much. So I thought this would be an interesting one as that get ready you know, we, well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but what we do know is that the market is hard to predict. And it's, I've slowed my investing because I had a feeling that something like this was coming. And I guess, you know, naughty, naughty me. That was naughty by, I guess that's naughty market timer me trying to time the market a little bit, a little bit, delaying it by a few weeks, but I'm still going to be buying. It's just not hard to see. It's not hard. Was the blind guy in the, uh, the, how do you tell the blind guy in the nudist colony? It's not hard. Yeah, they're destroying demand, dude. That's all their, their tool they have is to destroy that demand, which leads to job cuts, which leads to lower earnings, leads to the stocks tanking. And then I think that just that recession's coming and it's probably going to end when they have that sustained pivot downward. But, you know, you're going to be fine, I think. I hope you've got some skills that, aren't easily replicable and replaceable. And if not, you need to work on your human capital. Hate to break it to you, but you got to. You can see what I do, the things I fix, the trade I'm in. I'm not that easily replaceable. I can be replaced. Anyone can be replaced. Even Elon Musk can be replaced, but that's a little more difficult. (laughs) But it's going to, you know, this is going to hurt the companies that are surviving on debt. But the companies I love, like McDonald's and PepsiCo, Lots of cash, lots of pricing power. I think they're going to be just fine. So what did I sell? Check it out. I want to get into this just real quick. Show you, give you a little bit of, a little bit of flavor of what I've received this week in cash. Cold, hard cash money, right? So I sold a PepsiCo $187.50 call that expires Friday, which is November 4th tomorrow from when I'm recording this but when you're listening to this that may be in the past hey and if it's in the past what's up future person because check it out i'm in the past right now but when we're listening to this you're listening to this i'll be in the future you can never be in the past you can never be in the future you can only ever exist in this exact split second that you're living and breathing right here right now and hey everyone that's ever lived or ever died they're still with us too they're just not living they're in a different uh different state of being but anyway let's reel it on back i received 40 dollars for that pepsico call it's not going to be at over 187 dollars and 50 cents tomorrow so i received 39 dollars 35 cents because schwab if you don't know charges 65 cents per contract options contract and then i also sold a starbucks 84 dollar cash secured put so tomorrow at market close of Starbucks is under $84 a share, which they might not because they had some decent earnings. I will be buying 100 shares of Starbucks 
at $84, and I received $115 for that, which is $114.35 after fees. So check it out. Just with those two options, I got $153.70, but we're not done yet. Is he done? No, he's not done. We've got more for you. We got dividends received. I received $110 from ticker JPM, JP Morgan Chase. I received, well, if you remember, I had, they were part of the wheel. So I had those shares called away at 122, which doesn't look so hot now. I got in at 113-ish, rode it to 122, and it was at 128 today. So yeah, it's fine. It's, that's the, the part of the wheel. That's what we do. But I did capture that $100 in dividends. AT&T combined gave us $104.35, Verizon $33.28, and la 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 lo, Lowe's, ticker L-O-W, $4.20. It's that $4.20, baby. I'm not all about $4.20, just my birthday's on $4.20. What is, but uh, all the times in my life, all the stoners, oh, dude, I wish I had your birthday, dude. And it's like, yeah, I think you smoke too much weed. So total in this week, I received $405.53 of cash money, which at the average U.S. wage is around 32 bucks an hour. Pre-tax, that's almost 13 hours of salary just in this week additional too. I love it. I love it. That's a little motivation for me, but we're going to keep the motivation rolling for you right now because we've got the five reasons that dividend growth investing is uh, 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 awesome. I need a sip of my tea here. Ooh, that's nice. So here we go. Number one, numero uno. Are you ready? Get your ear holes ready. Number one, dividends are a major source of long-term market returns. If you go back to 1960, 84% of the total return of the S&P 500, remember the largest 500 stocks, U.S. stocks, if the total return of that S&P 500 index, which is just the basket of those stocks, can be attributed to reinvested dividends, 84% of the total return. That is the power of compounding. And what is compounding? When your interest makes interest, that is the magic of it. And by the way, I have a really cool Hartford Funds chart in the show notes below. Make sure you check that out. Ton of information I got for this post, for this podcast, which is going to be a YouTube video. And I'm going to do a series, little heads up. I'm going to do three, maybe four, because my, my wife was getting on me saying like, hey, bud, if you were to be vaporized by a Martian death ray, and I wouldn't know what to do. Like, do you have somewhere on your channel I could just clearly and concisely get a little of the philosophy? And, well, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> some of the philosophy and some of the little flavor of what you look for when you're buying a dividend stock. So... I'm going to do it all. I'm going to drop it on 1123. I'm going to hopefully have these four-ish, maybe five videos just back to back to back, all linked together. Nice, neat with a bow on it. But anyway, back to our Hartford Funds um, chart. Check it out. Really cool article that Hartford Funds puts together every year on the power of dividends. $10,000 
So from 1960 to 2021, if you put $10,000 in the market, you would have $795,823. So basically, basically $796 without dividends, $796,000 without dividends reinvested. But if you reinvest those dividends, that 10,000 from 1960 to 1920 192021, okay. I guess we're just making up new years here. That's an alternate universe that we're in. That money from 60 to 21 swells to an incredible $4.9 million. Almost $5 million is just awesome. Look at that incredible power of compound of interest making interest. And there's no need to sell shares when you reinvest or you're dripping. And when you drip, by the way, if you didn't know, you are forcing yourself to automatically buy less shares when prices are high and more shares when prices are low. And that is really powerful because it takes away some of the the um, being emotional about it. You just set it and forget it and drip it. You don't have to worry about it if that's how you want to be. That's how you want to play the game. Play the game that way. It's like the BK, man. You can have it your way. I think that was Burger King, Burger King, right? And once you receive that cash in your account, it is yours and cannot be taken away. That is cash money for you. Number two, moving it on along. Dividend growth stocks have outperformed the stock market over many years. Let's check out, well... You don't have a choice. It's it's like we tell the kids, hey, we're going to do this. I don't want to do that. Well, too bad. That's what we're doing. So check out the return of $100 invested in 1973, what that would have turned into in 2021. And Hartford broke it down into six categories of stocks. So we're going to start at the bottom and work ourselves up to the big payoff, the big money shot. Dividend cutters and eliminators. These are companies that cut their dividend or eliminated it. So more weaker companies, I would say. Remember, we're putting, we're starting with $100 in 1973. That would have turned in to $80. You would have lost 20 bucks after all those years by just putting that 100 bucks in dividend cutters and eliminators. Moving a step up, the dividend non-payers, companies that never paid a dividend. Your $100 would become 989 Not too bad. Not too shabby. Companies that had no change in their dividend policy, so whether they started one already or whatever they did, they kept on keeping on. That $100 became 2854 If you put that money into an equal-weighted S&P 500 index, your 100 bucks became 4744 Nice, but there's another category. There's two more. Dividend payers. Your $100. In 1973, when you got your ball bottoms, your polyester, you know, your, were the Bee Gees around then? I don't know. That shows my age. Your $100 became 8942 if by just putting that into dividend-paying companies. But now... The bell of the ball is here. The dividend growers and the initiators, companies that consistently grow their dividend. Your $100 became 14405 
bang, mic drop, chose the power of investing in dividend growth companies. And these are companies that are just fundamentally strong and can continually grow their dividends. I mean, because they're strong companies, they're generally less volatile. But one thing you got to be aware of, and we're seeing it right now, is that rising interest rates make dividend-paying stocks less attractive to conservative income investors, people that might already be retired. They don't want to experience a lot of volatility. They don't like roller coaster rides, which is cool, but they're going to pull their money out of the market. And the bonds, the risk-free rate, as they call it, but we'll see in a second. You know, it's not really that risk-free. There's always a risk. I mean, many strong companies... So... <laughs> Many strong companies, uh, well, we should, I'll tell you about that first. These businesses, you can think of Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble. They've grown their dividends through recessions, wars, commodity price volatility, technological advancements, and when consumers start shifting their habits all over the place, buying those pet rocks and whatnot and tie-dye. Hey, my father-in-law still wears tie-dye. He likes it. Leave him alone. What's the matter with you? The hell would you bother a guy like that for? <laughs> yeah, so paying a dividend uh, usually means higher management discipline. The company's management has to be more diligent with the cash that's left over after the dividends and poor acquisitions could put the dividend at risk. And because stocks usually get hammered when there's a divvy cut, many executive jobs are tied, right, to the stock performance. So if that stock gets hit, they could be putting their uh, their jobs at risk. And yeah, that's uh, that's that one. Hold on. I need a sip of the agua. Uh, 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 uh. Ooh, they, everybody said, we like that song. Hey, I'm sorry. That's proprietary. That's mine. Okay, USA. Donald Gibb, by the way, was the one in Bloodsport that said, okay, USA. It was not Big John Studd. I got my 1980s cheesy karate movie and anyway, number three, dividend growth stocks can help ensure a safe retirement no matter how long you live. People are living longer. Hey, I'm going to try and live as long as I can, hopefully. Now the FIRE community, which if you don't know, financially independent, retired early as FIRE. I'm more in the FI camp than the fire camp because i'm always going to be working I've, you know, I've told you before our brains are designed to work they're meant to do things not just they're not built for constant leisure constant leisure will make you you know you can't have all work you can't have all play there's a nice balance but i'm just going to be doing the things i want to do like this i really look forward to this podcast i i enjoy talking with you guys even though I don't talk with all of you, it doesn't matter. I know that you're out there listening. There's a few people that opened up their ear holes and they're letting me hang out in your brain for a little bit. But the jello jigglers, the chicken put and pop and the put. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what fire is. Anyway, they have this 4% rule. So simply, all you do, you take what your expected expenses per year in retirement are going to be. And you multiply that number by 25. So for example, if you think you can live on $40,000 a year when you are quote unquote retired, 
Multiply that by 25, you get $1 million. And why does that work? Well, since 1971, the S&P 500 has delivered an annualized return of 7.58%. But when we reinvest those dividends, it jumps to 10.5%. So just call it 10%, roughly. That's with dividends reinvested. So withdrawing 4% theoretically means that you will never run out of money because we have good years and bad years, but... Over the long run, many years, it's going to be about 10%. Now, in 2008, a Jack Gardner study found that sticking to the 100 highest yielding S&P 500 stocks, you could withdraw 5% and maintain your portfolio forever forever because high yields today and these strong companies, they grow over time. Even the companies that don't pay dividends – They're still growing their earnings and people are wanting those companies part of their portfolio. I would tell you, solid companies, good companies are always going to be in demand. So that will protect your purchasing power. But again, remember we talked about that equities are risky and people perceive bonds to be sometimes not as risky, but they have their own risk too. And again, that is the inflation risk. When inflation rises, Bonds drop. When inflation drops, bonds rise. So this is because rising prices over time reduce the purchasing power of each interest payment that a bond makes. The money doesn't go as far. So let's say that there's a five-year bond paying $400 every six months, right? Every six months you get 400 bucks. Well, that inflation means that the 400 bucks is going to buy less Five years from now. So investors worry that a bond's yield won't keep up with the rising cost of the inflation and then the bond price drops because there is less investor demand. So the bond market, still an auction, still people buying and selling. And also every bond is capped on the upside because it has par value. So it's going to hit that terminal par value at some point when it comes due. And you ain't going to get a penny more for that, where at least stocks, theoretically, their downside is zero, but the upside is unlimited. There's literally no limit to how high stocks can go. And at least you always know, and that's when you can factor in your risk, is that zero is the floor. And I believe, in my opinion, that, again, there's always risk. Buying bonds doesn't eliminate risk. It just shifts the risk. But solid companies, I think, reduce that risk. Number four. Number four is embracing a dividend growth investor mindset can help you avoid the biggest cause, in my opinion, of market market underperformance, which are weak hands or people panic selling. And when we dividend growth invest, baby, we're holding forever. We got those... Uh, like the the meme stock uh, AMC, remember the diamond hands? I got dividend dime. I got diamond dividend hands. No, that's good. Dividend di- diamond hands. Dimit. <laughs> His brain's working, people. Let him alone. He's he's figuring it out. I got my diamond dividend hands. My diamond dividend hands, my DDH, baby. I got I got a fever and I need more DDH up in here. So I got the diamond dividend hands. I'm holding forever unless, unless there's always a caveat. I put forever in air quotations because 
unless the core fundamentals of the company are shifting or our own thesis for investing has changed, then I got the diamond dividend hands, baby. I got the DDH. They, I ain't letting them go. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing because we're just simply not trying to time the market and we're enduring that short-term pain, which is volatility for long-term gains. And if we're invested in solid companies, I believe they are much less riskier. Uh, Ralph Wagner in A Zebra and Lion Country tells us that from 1969 to 1993, the market's top 1% days equaled 95% of total returns. Just another reason why you can't get out. And between 1926 and 1990, missing out on the market's top 7% performing month, months, I bit my tongue, <laughs> would net a zero total return. Did you catch that? From 1926, okay, it's a long time, to 1990. If you missed out on the top 7% performing months, you would have a net zero total return. That's That to me is another mic drop. And compounding, this is why compounding needs to happen at all times and in all market conditions, which is why we love the saying that time in the market beats timing the market you know, I, I don't even think Warren Buffett says he's smart enough to dance in and out of the market. I like Warren. I've never seen Warren Buffett dance. He owes us some dancing. That might be hard now. He's getting 92. God bless him. And, and again, you own businesses that are still like he does, generating cash flows. Or, you know, they may have an earnings air pocket that's eventually going to recover. But as long as the answer to the question is, as long as the answer to the question is this business still making money or will they make money once again is yes. Baby, we're holding tight with those dividend diamond hands. And because of the market irrationality, dude, we may find some of our stocks are mispriced and at a really great opportunity to add more dividend income. Kind of like today, I noticed that Microsoft was at um, $215 a share. And I've been saying for I don't know, at least a year and a half that I want to add more under $200, 200 or under. So it's getting close. I'm, I'm starting to get itchy like, oh boy. And I think that's a great, great opportunity to add more Microsoft. I don't think they're going anywhere. And it may be a little bumpy for a little bit, but hey, I think the bumps are going to end, right? Don't you? I don't know. And number five, numero cinco for you. Uno momento, por favor, necesito un uh, tomar unos uh, te. Hold on a moment, I need to take a sip of my tea. Apologies to any of you Spanish speakers out there. I speak broken Spanish. You know, deal with it. Number five, here we go. Being a dividend growth investor can help you earn a return no matter what stock prices are doing because at the end of the day, it's a market of stocks and not a stock market. There's not just one market. There are thousands of individual companies. Every one of those tickers is an individual business with profit and loss, their own challenges, their own strengths and weaknesses. And it's just a beautiful thing. It's always going to keep things interesting. 
So we're focusing on the dividends that are rolling in and still growing. And again, unless the core foundation of the business is faltering, we simply do not sell. But, you know, I read this in Reminiscences of a Stock Operator, which was written in the 1920s, where he said, dude, everything in the stock market has happened before and it will happen again. And some of the things you read from the early 1900s, they're talking about the craziness of like the 1870s and, and whatnot in the market. And you would swear they were talking about today. So everything that has happened before will happen again. I think that's a certainty. And if the stock market should end, if it went away, then our losses from that that we incurred will be the least of our worries. And in the next one, you know, we know we're holding forever, but when should we sell? I'm going to go over, I don't know, maybe four. We'll see what I come up with. It'll be three, four, maybe four, five different scenarios where I would strongly consider selling one of my quote unquote forever dividend stocks. And I really hope that helps you. And um, we made it, baby, buddy, guy, Jim, John, Frank, Tim, Todd, Paul, Steve. What's up, Steve? I know there's you're listening, Steve. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm going to do that one podcast. I'm just going to read names for 15 minutes straight. So, nah, we won't do that, Sonny. We, we just really won't do that. So, that's about the end of the show, everyone. I've made it. You've made it. It's time for me to crawl out of your ear holes once again and let your brain bask in the warm, dulcet tonality and residue that I've left behind. We won't say it's a trail of snails, but I thank you for stopping by and listening again. My peewee music is taking me out. I love it. And I really do hope if you want to find me and talk with me on Twitter at RustyRam78, drop me an email, Russ at DapperDividends.com. And I look forward to speaking to you or with you again next week. So long, everybody. Thank you.